from Boston, Massachusetts to Adelaide, Australia and everywhere in between. Talking local and national sports and just about anything discussed in a tavern. Broadcasting from South Lyon, Michigan. Welcome to Easy Speak at Speakeasy 330 with your hosts, Rich and Tom. We are back. Woo! <laughs> yes. What a day today. Woo! Yes. Yeah, so uh, let everybody know we had just uh, gotten back uh, from the ball field. Uh, my youngest uh, son, uh, Ryan, his uh, 10U team uh, battled valiantly mm -hmm. today in the two games they played, both winning in walk-off fashion. Yes. Nice. Um, it was it was nice to be there, it, nice to witness that. It, I, it was a lot of fun. You can tell, you know, you got to reiterate to the kids every inning counts. So oh, you got to sure. keep working. And so it was nice. They won it on a uh, – it was actually a, a pass ball. Uh, a pass ball. Uh, <laughs> the guy from third managed to get home, won the game, bring home some hardware. It was uh, – And uh, – <laughs> it, it, was, it was interesting being there because uh, we had a, a listener or a viewer, whatever you are um, – I sit down next to Rich, and the guy says, "Hey, Rich, is that your co-host?" Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. He's like, "I've been watching you on the on the Facebook Live." I'm yeah, like, well, we're glad to have you. Yeah, no, <laughs> and Jay's a super good dude. He's a uh, he's a hell of a guy to have uh, have in your stands. Uh, nothing but a, a true sportsman when it comes to the game of baseball. He also is um, very um, what the fuck. <laughs> um it's it's amazing uh it's amazing some of the comments that come up on this thing that we don't some, show anybody. some of the viewers that that uh come across the screen and man. that came from twitch and yeah. right now it doesn't show anybody on there from twitch but you know what we're gonna ignore it we're gonna mm -hmm. move on so um we did not have a show on wednesday because nope. uh uh you went on wednesday to get your second dose of the pfizer i went on thursday to get my second dose of the pfizer and um yeah, it's, I mean, just absolutely crazy. Um, we'll just say um, that second shot kicked my butt. Kick, yeah. Kicked my butt. Yeah, it, it, uh, it definitely put me, uh, it definitely put me out of sorts, not on the second day, but it was the third mm. day. I'm So uh, Friday, I was extremely tired and sore and achy, mm. almost like you had the flu. Yeah. And then. Saturday morning, I woke up and it, I almost felt like I was in a twilight zone. Uh, real quick, Mr. Churches, how you doing? I see you checked in. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. How you doing? Um, Hope I'm all's well. Uh, so I got it Wednesday. Felt a little disconnected throughout the day. By one o'clock, uh, which would be Thursday morning, uh, I woke up in a I don't know what you call a flop sweat. And I was freezing cold, and I knew I was in for uh, a rough day. So basically, from what I understand, uh, those who have had COVID get affected by the second dose. Uh, needless to say, I did, and I yeah. was. Uh, so it, it lasted for about 24 hours. And uh, by the end of the day, Thursday, I was good to go, and then um, kind of uh, gave Rich the warning, like, "Hey, be prepared. Uh, you might be in for a treat." And uh, but it didn't hit him as hard. Fortunately, no, so. it, no, it, it wasn't. I, I didn't. You know, there was no fever. There was, there was nothing like that. But I, I've heard of multiple people within the last time frame that we have gone and got the second shot. Um, some people, it, it really didn't do much. It just made them extremely mm -hmm. tired and they wanted to sleep. And then uh, there was uh, some cases where. Um, they were like, I got a fever. I'm sweating my ass mm -hmm. off. Uh, I'm shaking. Yeah. I'm hurting, everything like that. Yeah, and here's another one right here. Is, uh, my buddy Aaron uh, gets on here and says that uh, about 18 hours after his yep. second shot, he had a little headache and body ache, yeah. a little nap and a Tylenol did wonders. Yeah, you're exactly right yeah. because I took uh, – when I got up Friday morning, because I was like, I'm going to try to go to work. I'm going to try to – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push through. I got up at mm. – I got up a little bit after 4 and – I had like the <laughs> most pounding headache possible. Well, I seen I seen you were on Facebook at about eleven. Yeah, and it was <laughs> and it was Pfizer as well. So yeah, so Pfizer was uh, yeah. uh, our doses as well. And 
But I mean, uh, you know, it's one of those things, you know, say what you want. We're not going to sit here and tell you to go out and get a no. vaccine and it's going to be the next best thing to slice bread. Hey, right. it's your life. It's mm-hmm. your choice. You do what you want to do. It's your body. We're not going to tell you uh, otherwise. So wh- wh- I'm not going to promote it. I'm not going to downplay it. But right. You are. You're, it's your choice to do whatever you'd like. Uh, given the opportunity to do it again, I would uh, just because I. I just feel it's the right thing to do. If you don't want to get it, we have friends that are absolutely against it. Yeah. And God bless them. Hey, you know, it doesn't you. doesn't change the nope. way I feel about them or I think about them. It's just that's one of the great things about being an American. We have the right to choose. And uh, we chose to do so. Uh, others don't. But, you know, hopefully this thing gets a little bit better and uh, we can all get out and about a little bit more very soon. Yeah. I mean, and that's the main key is just being able to um, – get a little bit of normalcy going on in life, I, you know, and, you know, my son, you know, he falls into that category in the state of Michigan where he has to go and get, uh, get weekly tests yeah, for baseball. That's, that's a tough one. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> that we, we found uh, a place uh, locally that uh, they will do the rapid uh, saliva oh, okay. test. So, oh, that's good. So he's not having to go through. He's not getting his brain uh, he had uh, tickled. It. He had it once and he's like, I, if I got it, mm. you know, it's pretty much if I have to do this every week to play baseball, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to play. But, you know, we found a place locally. Good. Um, and Aaron, I don't know if you know, if you got to go and take hold and earn like that. But uh, uh, up at Legacy, they do the uh, they do the uh, test. I think you can sign up. You can even make an appointment. It's just a drive through. Oh, that's good. That's good. We did see own. the tent there. So yeah. it's cool. And what was cool about that is uh, that is like at no cost to parents. It's no cost to uh, Legacy. Oh, There's wow. no cost to Legacy. Uh, what it is is it's actually covered under the COVID relief bill. Oh, okay. And a company came and said, "Hey, we'll set up, and we'll run it from certain times, and it works out Perfect. good." And you know, it, it, the spit test is nothing for kids, I right? Mean, right. But it's less invasive. Yeah. So the faster um, we can get get rid of uh, this fucking virus, yeah. excuse my language, uh, we can get back to normalcy, like watching the Detroit Tigers. Well, do we really want to go and watch the Detroit Tigers right now? Let's be, uh, let's be. They start off like fire, and it, you know the, everybody was on the the Badu craze. Oh, the Badu. And, it, <laughs> and it's funny because the OC show, uh, you know, mm. those guys were like the, you know, that car has gone through the roof just based on what he's done the first two weeks. Yeah, and you know, if I had a if I had a bunch of those cars, I'd I would be have, dumping them. I would have sold. Yeah. I would have sold them off as fast as I could. But, we saw we saw a, a, a picture on Twitter. It was. Uh, um, from the I think a sports it, show gym I think yeah it might have been a ketchup gym yeah. it was uh from oh what was it from uh Scooby-Doo yeah. it's like they were lifting the 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 mask off is like who are you and the bottom picture was uh Chris Shelton Chris Shelton Red so, yeah, Red so that is absolutely uh picture perfect because right now he's in a bit of a slump as well as the whole team they can't hit the broadside of a barn yeah. right now the, the pitching you know when the pitching is on the offense is off. When the offense is on, the bullpen sucks. Right now, they're just they're they're out of sorts. But the question that I have is, is it time to say it is what it is? Let's bring up these young guys. Let's bring up Riley Green. Let's bring up some of these young kids that yeah that I, that are gonna be the future of this team. That probably could be better suited facing major league pitching rather than down in Toledo. Oh, uh, or on the. Uh, the what do you call that? The the travel or what taxi is that? Squad. The taxi, the squad. taxi squad. But yeah, I mean, it's just I, I I don't think that Riley Green should have been left off the opening roster to begin with. I mean, you got to play him. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you just you have to bring some of those guys up and just let them play. There's there's no reason. I mean, you've got nothing to play for at this point. Zero. Uh, you're gonna finish dead last probably in the division, and that's that's okay. Yeah, you have enough young talent that you're going to build around. So now's the time to get them uh, the experience in, as Jim Price would say, up to the tall, tall buildings. Yeah, exactly. Get them up here, see what they can do, see what they're made of. And then, you know, next year, start the season with a little bit more hope and promise. Yeah. And and I, I agree with you um, on everything that you said with that, because uh, you might as well get them up and get them facing the the major league pitchers. Let, Let them get in there and out bad uh with you know, some uh, green so, but they did go to houston and they swept houston 
they, but, they blew their wad in Houston and they haven't been able to recover ever since. No, <laughs> must've yeah. been pretty good down there in Houston with no mask. <laughs> oh yeah. And, uh, speaking of, uh, packing the houses, UFC last night, Ooh. we saw, we saw Ooh. some pretty gruesome things last night. Very gruesome. Um, Chris Weidman, I hope he makes a full recovery, but well, it started, it started with the fight. The Anthony Smith fight in front of him when oh, yeah. uh, Anthony Smith used his foot and uh, separated his uh, tibia from his fibia. <laughs> Is that what it was? I haven't heard the official, but holy smoke! Uh, the bottom half of his leg, I don't think, was connected to the no. knee uh, after that kick. He tried to walk on it, but um, usually just... when the lower half of the leg spins goes the wrong way it, it, it's not good but i give that dude credit he didn't he, want, he didn't want to give he up. didn't want to stop nope. they you know they had to call it and we were sitting here in the speakeasy like ready to vomit i think i think uh the the boom baba boo baba oh, uh scene from uh stand by me yeah. with all the throw up i that was about to happen well it was like here. it was like it's hard to explain but it was like his it's like everything from his knee down just was like it, it prolapsed. Yeah, it, 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 it was terrible. It spun the wrong way. Yeah, it was gross. And then Chris Weidman, he went to go check the, uh, he go to fire that kick, got checked, and then next thing you know, the same thing that happened to Anderson Silva yep. against Chris Weidman. Yeah, well, against Uriah Hall. U Uriah Hall. Yeah. I mean, his is what has he got? Titanium bones? Yeah, I, dude, I have no idea. But the shocker of the night. Well, was, no, didn't didn't Anderson Silva? Didn't he? He kicked somebody. It was he, it was Chris Weidman, I believe. No, it was Uriah Hall. All right, I'll have to double check yeah. that. Uh, um, but to me, the shocker of the night was uh, Wei Lee getting knocked out by the thug. Rose. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. That she, leg come out of that, nowhere and dropped her. Just yeah, dropped her. I mean, she is a uh, she's a badass. Oh, yeah. She is a badass. You Looking at her, you think, well, eh, you know, what's her specialty? She's not very big, but that leg came up and hit Wiley in the right jaw and dropped her. And, and, you know, she, she went down and Rose jumped on her. And of course they called the fight, which was the right, which was the right. Um, it was right against call. Weidman. It was against Weidman. Was the right call. But um, um, she popped back up and she, she kind of threw a fit about them calling it, but I mean, she kind of had a beef, but <laughs> she uh, she, she, I mean, she didn't know where she was at. She didn't yeah. know if she was on planet Earth. But when you when you drop like that, you basically you come unconscious for that split second, and you're not putting up a fight. You know, they got to do the right thing. And, yeah. And the UFC has been great about protecting, if you want to call it protecting, uh, their fighters when when it's time to call it. They they've been jumping in. But oh, yeah. Well, uh, uh, and then uh, game bread. Game Brad got his uh he got served a nice one. Oh, Masvidal was talking, yeah. he was chirping, and what three four seconds before the hit, he was smiling like, oh yeah. I, uh, and then well, he like took a hit and he, and he just was kind of like, yeah. And the next thing you know, it's he's like, it's ha, ha. <laughs> and then ah, it's like nap time. Good night. Yeah. Good night. Bye. <laughs> good night, Irene. Um, yeah, he was uh. Definitely. He, Usman, yep. who is not known for, and it's funny because they were talking most of that round about how he's inexperienced as a striker. And <laughs> what did he do? He struck the shit out of him with a left. Yeah. Just, just, I mean, his head snapped back and he was unconscious before he hit the canvas. Um, yeah, he was done, so. And you have uh, Singano in his corner. Those Africans are some bad dudes oh yeah right now there nobody can touch him no nobody can touch him nobody. so it was it was a great night of ufc it was awesome to see the fans even though i'm sure it was a uh sorry bill um it was probably a super spreader event but it was really cool to hear the the uh excitement from the fans when there was a big punch thrown and uh however i do miss that sound of yeah. leather smacking somebody yeah face. you 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 can hear that but it, it, you can't replace those fans, you know, when no. big punches connected and oh, I, and it I, just I, I, I missed the yeah, you know, it, it was it was pretty cool to hear. Actually, somebody tweeted in uh, during the the 
the first fight, which was crazy in the yeah. prelims, um, that you, you just don't realize what an impact the the fans and hearing hearing those fans, you know, going crazy and yeah. what it does to the fight. It makes it more um it makes it more uh entertaining to watch. Mr. Matt Cowan, what's up, my friend? How are you, sir? <laughs> but uh yeah, I, I'm you know, like the, I, you know, the in the in the fighters, they they feed off that. Oh very sure, well. I, I think it does, and I think that happened with the Thug Rose, where they were really jumping on her back, like, yeah. come on, USA chant, which you know it is what it is, but yeah. um, it I think it fueled her. You know, going into that fight, you, you know, Wei Lee is a she's a bad woman, and yeah, oh. and it and it really, uh, <laughs> oof, what her last fight that Joanna she. She come out looking like she needed uh, to get her forehead she drained. Looked like, she, looked like, she looked like Frankenstein. Yeah, oh, she was, looked like she, all she was missing was the two um, <laughs> the two nubs right here. She looked like uh, I'm gonna go way back, and you probably won't know. She looked like uh, the security guard from Jabba's palace from Return of the Jedi, the guy with the big old forehead. Well, I don't, I don't ever watch yeah, those movies. Yeah, so I can't I'm, really tell I'm you. speaking Greek to you on that hey, one. You're but, exactly right. But it is what it is. And then, uh, <clears throat> oh man. The other fight that I really enjoyed was uh, oh. it was Svechnikov, yeah, Svechnikov. The, the other woman. She she put on a clinic. Yeah, I, there's nobody stopping her. Right Jessica now. Andrange, who is she's a bad bad female. Yeah, well, and she made her look like chop liver. Yeah, it was like she was she, nothing. She put her out in uh, second round, which I mean it it probably could have gone early halfway through the first, but she hung on as long as she could and. But yeah, she's uh, that Russian is. So you have three champs basically who. There's not much competition in the female ranks. No, no. Um, I mean Nunez. I mean you're. Uh, it. She might as well just go start fighting dudes. I'll be honest with and, you. And and I would I would bet for I would bet her against some of the guys that are you know, in I'd, that. I'd let her go fight 135. Yeah. You know, I'd let her fight the bantamweight guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that she, would be that would be a, a nice pay per view. Let him let her fight fucking. Uh, Paul, Logan Paul, or uh, uh, yeah. Jake Paul. Let him let let him Paul uh, fight Jake Paul. Who? Hey, let him. Uh, you know what? And just he might go to MMA if he's going to fight a chick. And I guarantee she would mop the oh, fucking floor with her. Oh, no doubt about it. So cool. So anyway, so we're going to move on because we do have a special guest that's here today with us. Uh, uh, he's coming on to talk lions with us, and uh, it's our friend uh, Dave Briquette from the uh, the uh, Detroit Free Press or the Freep as they call it. So let's uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Dave, how you doing, bud? What's up, guys? How you doing? Pretty hey, good, pretty good. Hey, uh, I didn't see you Friday. Uh, I'm getting kind of lonely standing in line by myself. <laughs> uh, you know, man, uh, draft time, not not much I can do these days. So, yeah. Well, it's, uh, hey, well, let me tell you, you missed out on a good week this week because uh, I was able to get a box of select and a prism hanger. So Nice. And then, you know, you go online and look, and you probably see some of the same guys that picked those ones up before me, and they have them on uh, – uh, eBay going for 150 a hit. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take the retail. So it's been a few weeks since I saw you up there. So one uh, of these days, well, I, missed, I, I missed last week and, uh, I got back <laughs> this week and it kind of worked out. We talked a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, yeah. We were kind of battling some uh, COVID, uh, vaccine blues. So, uh, I was off Friday and, uh, mustered a, a shower and went up there and dredged the line. So, <laughs> And it's the same people, same people sitting up there with their folding chairs out and, you know, living the dream of right. uh, Pokemon cards. Unbelievable. So anyway, so uh, this is Tom that's uh, next to me. So Tom, this is Dave. Dave, uh, how are you? How you been, Tom? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, you got it, man. Happy to do it. So we got some questions here because uh, you're a little more in the uh, in tune with this and, uh, you know, just kind of a more of an opinionated base. But uh you know, besides the fact that the Lions need everything on their on their team, I mean, I mean, I'm talking everything. But I, to you, what would be your biggest need that the Lions need to go after with that first pick? No, you're right, and I, you know, I, I think that's why I've sort of called it a positionless draft because it doesn't matter what position they take. You know, they don't have to target one; they can just they they need help there and long term help there and short term help there and, and everything. So, um, but look, number seven, I mean. I would probably look to draft a quarterback if I was running the team. I don't think the Lions are going to do that. So just just what I do think the Lions are sort of looking at here, if four quarterbacks go in the top four picks, they should get one of the 
big three, I guess, non-quarterbacks, and that's Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Panay Sewell. I think those three, it's not universal. Um, and I think Pitts and Chase are, are maybe valued a little bit higher um, across the board than, than, than Sewell. There you could find some scouts, and I know some scouts that like Rashawn Slater better. Uh, but I, I think one of those three would be there at seven if four quarterbacks go. Um, if four quarterbacks don't go, if it's only three, that's when maybe things get a little tricky. So that's when, you know, if those other three guys are gone, who do the Lions take? Is it Rashawn Slater? Do they maybe consider defense? Do they take another receiver? That's when maybe you're not dropping down a tier of prospect necessarily, but you're maybe not getting one of the most coveted guys. So um, those are the sort of scenarios that I see playing out. And then ultimately, you know, that trade down, I think we may have talked about this before. Like if they could uh, maybe the best thing for the franchise is, is trading down and acquiring more draft capital, but you don't want to pass on being able to get an elite player at number seven either. Yeah. What do you, um, I, 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 my personal opinion is I, I know it's not a sexy pick, but I'm a man that believes that the game is won at the, at the trenches. And I think uh, I forgot who that was. I, I think John Jansen is a big fan of that as well. Yeah, taking an offensive lineman at at number seven is just—it's not sexy for fans, I guess. So, um, yeah, I'm but, Jamar Chase is a. But I, I, but I think Jamar Chase is—he's going to be gone. I think. He, I don't think he's going to go. I don't think he's going to get past uh, the Bengals if the Bengals don't take uh, Sewell. But you say yeah. not sexy. But if you say you know throw a Slater or a Sewell on that offensive line that they have now yeah, with the running game and with a quarterback that needs protection, that might be the best fit for them. Yeah. Well, yeah, look, gave them Sewell in my last mock draft. So, you know, you're preaching to the choir here that I, I think that would be a great pick for them. I think when you look at, um, you know, how the coaching staff wants to play football, you know, and, and, uh, you know, he would fit. And and I think, you know, the, the most important thing is getting really good players or building really strong units. Like, I, I think that can really help a team, you know, get to the playoffs, make some noise in the playoffs. And the Lions would have the makings of a strong offensive line with Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow and Sewell, who a lot of people think is, you know, has the traits to be a really elite tackle. So I think that would be a, you know, a, a great pick for the Lions. I think he's a, a top, you know, flight talent. And I don't think there would be a ton on his shoulders right away because he would be playing with some pretty good other, you know, linemen and he wouldn't have to play left tackle and protect the blind, blind side right away. So um, I think Sewell would be a great pick. The one thing on Chase, you know, I guess how he gets there is four quarterbacks go in the top four and the Bengals take Sewell, then, you know, it's the Dolphins. Who, who do they take, right? Is that Chase? Is that Pitts? And then that's where the Lions are left with, uh, yeah. the, you know, the, the remaining skill player. Do you worry maybe with Sewell since he's only really got one year of uh, of um, experience at the college level? Do you, do you think? Uh, I don't think so. You know, I mean, I've talked to enough people. Look, he was he was essentially a two year starter, right? He came in right away at left tackle as a rookie, true freshman. Played, I should said rookie, but true freshman, and he was seventeen years old when he first stepped on the field in college. His twenty first birthday isn't until October, so he sat out last year. But <laughs> look at the top ten, right? Uh, he opted out. I mean, uh, Jamar Chase opted out. Rashawn Slater opted out, right? Trey Lance played one game. So there's a lot of opt out. So um, it's not ideal, but it's sort of the hand that a lot of people in this this draft class have been dealt. And if you're the Lions, again, you're not plopping him in there at tackle and asking him to protect Jared Goff's blindside 40 passes a game, right? He's right tackle right off the bat, maybe even right guard, probably right tackle. But, but and, and you're going to be an offense that, you know, you want to run the ball a lot. So he's going to be, you know, he's going to have 25, 30, you know, pass sets a game in, in theory. And, and so I don't think that's too much for a talent like that to take. He's young enough that, you know, you can see him being a 10-year starter for you. Mm. Yeah, I can. He's not a sexy pick, I'll tell you no. that. But that, that'd be the, that'd be the guy right, I would take, you know. He's a right pick. You know, because everybody thinks draft, you know, oh, I'm going to go after him like the quarterback or I'm going to go wide receiver or you're going to try. But really – after the top four, I mean, you could pretty much put a bunch of player pictures on a dartboard <laughs> and toss them out there and probably be okay with one of them, you know, the, or the rest of the top. Yeah, no, I mean, again, like, you know, Trevor Lawrence is sort of in a class by himself, right? And, you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of people in the NFL think Zach Wilson is sort of the number two there. I mean, just, you know, as a quarterback, that position. But, you know, Kyle Pitts is the best non-quarterback. Most people in the NFL will tell you that. And I think Jamar Chase – 
I think a lot of people really like him too. He's sort of, you know, he's ahead of those other receivers, even though they're sort of in that same blue chip, you know, group. And, but the, look, the most important thing, and this is, this is what people don't realize all the time is when everybody wants to trade down and believe me, I, I think that's, there's a whole lot of merit to doing that. But again, you just, you have to have really good players in this draft. You know, someone had, um, when Brad Holmes had talked about trading, you know, down and having no floor to how far he would go the other day, I tweeted just sort of half jokingly, like, all right, somebody, somebody make them the Julio Jones offer. And somebody tweeted me back and said, I'd rather have Julio Jones. And they're exactly right. Like you got Julio Jones or you get, you know, three or four just players who turn out to be mediocre. So give me the star every time. I'm a big believer in that blue chip talent, or like I said, building really elite units. So do you, um, I know, I think Brad Holmes touched on it a little bit in his press conference. You know, they were talking about what kind of guys that they look for. Are they looking for certain talent or guys that fit the the culture? And, um, you know, what is your thought on that? Do you think that, uh, you know, the culture is going to play, if they're going to adapt to the culture that they're, they're trying to build, is that, does that make sense to maybe go after a guy? Maybe not your, you know, if you've got a couple of different choices at that seventh pick, are you going to, you know, what if, what if Jamar Chase is not a guy that would fit their, their culture that they're trying to do, or, uh, you know, it, it may, maybe it is uh, uh, Sewell or if it's even um, uh, what's his name? Um, Waddle. Waddle. Yeah, no, look, I mean, I, I think, especially the stage of the rebuild that they're at again, like that, it, it, you know, you have to get the right people in place, right. In free agency, I sort of compared it to like the Kyle Vandenbosch, Nate Burleson thing where you wanted, you know, the right guys to help bring this locker room along. Well, you want the right young guys to be a part of this thing going forward for again, you know, minimum, right. Four years, five years, but probably number seven, you're thinking that guy's going to be a 10 year player for you. So, you, you know, Chase is, yeah, you hope, right. And, and look, Chase Pitts, those guys get, you know, pretty high character marks, you know, Sewell, I think the one, you know, question with him was just some immaturity, you know, just in terms of work habits or whatnot. So I do think that's something that the Lions would have to, to drill down on. But again, when you, when you look at, you know, you're talking about a 17 or 18 year old for the most part when he was at Oregon. So, you know, those are some things that I think when you're surrounded by the right people and you don't have big character flags, you know, off the field, that, that those are things that, that maybe you feel comfortable with. Those Alabama players, I mean, they, you know, they played this year, they played through injuries or tried to at least. Um, I think, you know, both those guys would, would fit. You know, the one thing I, I did do, I, I, you know, on fruit.com, I put out my, you know, sort of five draft fits for the Lions, right? And I didn't put Pitts and I didn't put Chase in there, but I put five players that I thought, you know, would, would realistically be there at seven. And, you know, I put one defensive player on. And for a long time, I was sort of of the belief that Micah Parsons was going to be the first defensive player taken and maybe the Lions could be in the mix for him. I changed it up and I put Patrick Sertain in there as the yeah. sort of the one defensive player, just because I thought he was more of that fit that Brad talked about than Micah Parsons. I brought yeah. that up on uh, our show last week. And I said, I, I, I felt like Patrick Sertain Jr. was, was a player that would go high and, and would have a good ceiling. And uh, I got, I got a little bit of a brushback. I gave him shit for it, Dave. No, I mean, you're right. Look, I, I think I did, you know, with, with Mike and Rico and Rico's a big cornerback guy. And he had asked me, he was maybe asking about JC Horn, um, you know, and I just, I didn't really buy it there. You know, I hadn't heard any, anyone connecting the dots with a cornerback with the lions, but after hearing, you know, Brad talk and, and just kind of, you know, having done my homework on some of these prospects and talked to people around the league about them, you know, in, in looking at the lions, you know, the lack of depth, I guess they have in the secondary there too. Like, you know, certain would fit. And if you had certain Okuda and if those guys both came close to their potential, I mean, you look at this staff, Aaron Glenn and, um, you know, kind of what they want to do defensively, I guess, right. Aubrey Pleasant, their, their defensive backs coach, good young teachers of, of defensive backs. Um, again, I, I think seven's a little rich there. I think those other guys are probably ahead of the defensive players on most teams boards, but you know, certain would be a guy that I, I could see fit for the lions. Hey, real quick. We got a question that came in off our Facebook feed here. Somebody's asked, do you think Okuda can take a big step forward? Would it be a huge disappointment if he doesn't? Definitely a huge disappointment if he doesn't. Um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think he can, I expect he's going to take a step forward this year. I mean, 
look, uh, you know, as Rod Wood said, you know, he's been energized a little bit by the coaching staff. Again, I think, you know, the coaches that they have in place, Aaron Glenn and, and Aubrey Pleasant, like those guys are known as good teachers and, and being good for the secondaries. You look at what Aubrey did with the Rams, right? Yeah. And granted, they had some some top line talent with with Jalen Ramsey, but also the young guys, the, the John Johnsons who developed and, uh, you know, the, 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 the young slot cornerback um, that they have uh, that was a restricted free agent this year's names, uh, you know, slipping my mind right now, but regardless, they were able to develop talents in Okuda, you know, he's got a load of talent. So, um, you know, I would be disappointed if he didn't reach it. And I think, I think the lions would too. Yeah. I think he's got a huge upside. And I, I just think that last year he just, I think last year it was kind of a wash given this situation there. He was hurt a little bit too, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see, right. Maybe it wasn't the right, you know, fit for him mentally, whatever it was, it just didn't work out. But uh, if he doesn't, you know, take a big step forward this year, I think there'll be a lot of people disappointed. And you hear, you know, this offseason that he might have been not been set up in the right system last year with, you know, the old regime, the as old we regime. call it. We don't call uh, we don't we don't we don't speak. it's the old regime. But yeah, but you know, like you said, Aaron Glenn, and when they they announced him the the you know the defensive coordinator, I was excited because here's a guy, you know, fairly recently played in the league who I think a lot of players look up to former players like he, they've been there, they've done that, and they respect that, um, and they can kind of relate to them in a sense. So I felt like maybe Okuda would be a player that that could uh, reap the benefits of having a coach like that. No, absolutely. And, you know, that that whole secondary, you know, I, when I was doing my defensive backs preview, I sort of wrote that right. Like you look at all their starters – I mean, save the the nickel spot, I guess. That's probably Cornelder. But they're two starting outside cornerbacks or two starting safeties right now, all first-year contract guys. So, you know, these are still young in their development players that guys like, you know, Aaron Glenn and, and Aubrey Pleasant, you know, should be able to to mold a little bit. You know, they're, they're still pieces of clay in, in some, you know, ways. And Okuda especially, I mean, he's a young guy. Um you know, Tracy Walker, even right. You think like Walker had a pretty good year two years ago and he was yeah. playing out of position last year and the level that he came from, you know, there, I think there's still some growth there with, with him. So I don't think the Lions have a great secondary by any means for, for 2021, but I do think they're young enough that you should be able to see that group, you know, improve as, as the season goes on. Yeah. I think the progression, I think, I think the progression of the, the backs is going to be a lot better than, uh, uh, previous years that's for sure and I, I I'm, I'm with you I think it's going to be uh, a learning ex- experience for a lot of those guys that they currently have and I think I've, I'm a believer that there's going to be a turnaround in that hopefully I mean I got my fingers crossed so so if they do trade down which you know like you I've I've been a, a very big uh, proponent of um do you see like some of the teams who do you think some of the teams could possibly be in the mix maybe a New England and at maybe 12 to 15, say they do drop down to that level, uh, who would you be targeting? Would Micah Parsons be somebody that you would definitely like to go for at that position? Look, I think, you know, there's risk in dropping down too far because then you're missing out on that. You know, if, if you're dropping down from seven, it means one of two things, right? It means that, I mean, certainly it could mean that you just get an offer that's too good to pass up, but, but, you know, either you missed out on that group of players that you really wanted, right? Maybe it's that three and there, none of those three are there, only three quarterbacks go. Or maybe you feel comfortable with whatever group, you know, that you think is still going to be there at a 10 or a 12 or wherever it is. And, and to me, that group is probably those other Alabama receivers, even though the, you know, a lot of, you know, I've talked to We've talked about the positional value of receiver that high, but those guys are both, you know, pretty, pretty elite talents. Um, You know, maybe it's the two cornerbacks, you know, Sertain and and Horn. Like I just don't, you know, Parsons is a really good player. Um, Obviously he had some, some, you know, character questions. Um, I just don't know that how teams are going to be able to sort through all of those with just a couple, you know, one hour zoom sessions that they get. So I think there's a few other players um, you know, the Slater, Waddle, Smith, and the two cornerbacks that, that to me at least, you know, feel like safer prospects, still positions of need, still really good players that I would probably put ahead of Micah Parsons. Going back to your original uh, statement about picking a quarterback, uh, that what you would pick. Um, yeah. Who would you pick at seven if they were to pick a quarterback? 
Yeah. Look, I'm a quarterback guy. I don't, I don't hide that. Right. I was sort of, you know, on that bandwagon last year. <laughs> no, I, I just, you know, when you're, you know, when you're rebuilding, you need one. And if you don't have one, you're always going to be looking for one. And, you know, what better time to get one than, you know, when you're, I mean, who knows when you're picking this high again, right? That was part of my argument last year. Like, when are you going to have the number three pick again? Take one of those guys. Um, same thing with number seven, right? Like if the Lions win six games and they're picking 12 next year. Like, I don't know. You're just not going to get the same caliber of quarterback. If So the caveat being, of course, that you really believe in that quarterback. And we all know, right? Uh, Trevor Lawrence is gone. Zach Wilson is gone. Max Jones is, is probably gone. Number three. I believe in Trey Lance. Um, I know he's a lottery ticket in a lot of ways. Um, but I think if you believe in your staff, if you have the right plan in place, he's not going to play, you know, this fall, um, shouldn't play at all. You know, he's a developmental guy, but he has, he has really intriguing, you know, traits and talent that I would have no problem taking Trey Lance in the top 10, having the comfort to know that I would be able to develop him. I'm just glad Justin Fields. Yeah, look, I, I'm, I think Justin Fields too, but the one concern there is obviously the, the medical now that, you know, came out about you know him dealing with epilepsy still epilepsy yeah yeah so i i wouldn't i wouldn't shy away from either of those guys but the fields thing i would definitely need more on the medical to to say i felt comfortable with that i i do like trey lance's story he's kind of been told he's yeah you're you're not good enough you're not good enough and 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 he you know what he did at at in college although it wasn't division one but he he well he lost one game in his in his college career so he's he's always shown people that he can do it, and and I, I like that. I like that that underdog mentality. I think that really equates good in the NFL. I mean, you know, he's again very raw. Seventeen starts um, in all, obviously at the one double A level, which is a concern. And in you know accuracy, I know people have talked about that with quarterbacks before, right? I mean, that was a big thing with Matthew Stafford twelve years ago or whatever it was. You know how how accurate of a passer is he going to be? So. I don't think he's a, a lock by any means. And, you know, again, when I asked Brad Holmes that question Friday, you know, with the purpose, right? Like, what is your appetite for risk? And, you know, I, I don't know that in his first draft as general manager with this blank you know, canvas of him that he wants to, 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 you know, blow a pick. I don't, you know, on a, a quarterback. And I say that, you know, being that it doesn't work out right. I don't want to know that he wants to look back and say, oh, I, I blew a pick on a quarterback that didn't work out. So, but for me, I would, and my job doesn't, you know, you know, ride on the outcome of it. So I fully understand that, right? I can mock him a quarterback again next year, and no one would think anything of it. Um, but I would have no problem taking Trey Lance at number seven. Hey, Brad Holmes, get a set because that didn't stop Matt Millen. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think uh, one good thing Brad Holmes has in his corner is John Dorsey, and 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 he's he's definitely not afraid to take a quarterback. Yeah, he's proven that in, in two different spots. Yeah, he's look. I mean, I think you look at all of the quarterbacks that those, you know, the 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 Chiefs in the the front office have been a part of, right? Those regimes. Um, you know, John Dorsey obviously took Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, and he he took Patrick Mahomes straight up for Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. You know, Brad Holmes and Ray Agnew were in with the Rams when they you know uh, drafted Jared Goff number one. All of those guys sat for a large part of their rookie year. You know, Baker, I don't know, it was week four or something that he came in because Tyrod Taylor got hurt, but Patrick Mahomes barely played. Jared Goff played half a season. So they all are of the belief or their actions at least show that they're of the belief that, you know, that you need to, that it's okay to take that quarterback and let him sit and let him develop. And so um, I don't think Trey Lance's raw tools are quite on the level of Patrick Mahomes, but oh, yeah. you know I don't think it's uh, it's that far fetched to say that he has some pretty special traits that maybe could develop into being a really good quarterback. Hmm, cool. All right, Dave. Well, we're not going to take up much of your much more of your time. I know it's uh, Sunday, and I know you got to get the kids ready for school tomorrow. You should probably see him running around behind me. Running up and down the stairs. Hey, did you have any baseball this weekend? Uh, we, we are, we got a game Monday. That's our, our next game. We were off this week. We just had a couple of practice. We started two weeks ago. My son started two weeks ago. Uh, got the pitching inning, you know, he's six They're playing in an eight and under league. So they're, he's a little young, but they tied, you know, they would think they was five, five was the final score. Um, oh, and awesome. they're back at it next week, three games this week. I'm going to have to miss one of them for the draft. I think they play Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So yeah. miss one of them, but we'll be back at it soon. 
That's cool, Dave. Well, hey, listen, I appreciate you uh, taking the time, and uh, hopefully we can get together again and uh, maybe chat after the draft to see how it all fanned out for us. Yeah, you got it. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate it. All right, man. You have a good one, Dave. Take care. You too. We'll see you. Cool. Well, if there's uh, if there's somebody that is in the in the know when, oh, it, yeah. when it comes to the Detroit Lions, oh for sure, and and you know, uh, kind of an inside view, we'll say, of what they do need. Yeah, um, it, it's Dave. But I will tell you this: when he mentioned Sertain, I, I got I got a little excited. You because, got a chubby. Uh, you got a little chubby. Yeah, because uh, uh this guy over here uh, was kind of giving me some shit. So so was the giant. The giant was giving me some shit about it, yeah. but uh, I just I, I I like the fact that you know his father was you know pretty damn good NFL player. Yeah, no, and uh, I'm, not, I, I'm not discrediting it. I just didn't think that would be my pick at seven. And my it, well, here's the thing: it depends on who's still available. True, at seven. true. And I'm you, not going to say if there is a if there's a Jamar Chase, if there's a um, I'm not even say Jalen Waddle because I don't think he's worth a seven, but. Uh, if there's a Sewell there and somebody, I'm yeah. not going to pass yeah. up on one of those there, two guys. There's there's too many other players that could be there. But we do have issues in the back in, in in the in the in the backfield of the quarterbacks. And, and to me, to me, I looked at at the fact that if you could get in another young corner, and you 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 know flip them on the other side with Okuda, which I really do think Okuda is going to have a, a bounce back year I with the so. right coaching staff. I, you're looking at two extremely young corners who are athletic as all get up that really could be shut down and, and moving forward for this team. So that's kind of the, the, the angle I was looking at, but yeah. uh, it was interesting to hear what he had to say about Parkins, uh, Parsons, sorry, not Parkinson uh, Parsons, you know, maybe not wanting to drop down that, that low. So you know, I, realistically, I might be hard to find a suitor for the Lions to move back and gain picks because the guy, the team that you were really kind of, I'm not going to say banking on, but a team that was probably really interested in, Coming up to that spot to maybe grab a quarterback, they already they already did. San Francisco when they moved up. Well, I mean, New England was was the team that I was thinking of. And, yeah, and but they didn't they resign Cam Newton. Yeah, they just gave him another one year. But I mean, that's just a stopgap. Hey, they might go get Jimmy G. Well, that's that's another thing. I th- you know, obviously Garoppolo um, and uh, Shanahan have fallen out of favor from one another, just like. Just like um, McVeigh, yeah, McVeigh and yeah. Goff. So um, there, there's potential for maybe a release or you know a trade between them two. But I, I thought New England might be a team that would want to move up, and it, it all depends on really who's going to what happens at the four. I think, and I've said it time and time again, the number four pick, the Atlanta Falcons pick, will determine the direction of the draft. If they keep their pick, if they take a quarterback, if they trade down, I think there's an opportunity for a lot of teams to maybe look up, look to the Lions if they need a quarterback. Say, hey, what's it worth to you? Because yeah. uh, you know, uh, Atlanta will they take a quarterback? If they take a quarterback, I think it's just going to go status quo. I think mm-hmm. it's just you know you're not going to have a lot of movement within those first ten picks. And yeah, and like you said, you could put twenty players on that dartboard. And, you, and just blindfold, throw a dart at, it. and you—I you, don't think you could go wrong. I'm multitasking right now. I have my phone down. I'm looking as I'm watching uh, one of uh, George Jackson from the OC's uh, auctions right now. <laughs> hip hip, yeah, hip hip, hooray! But uh, no, it was cool that Dave came out yeah. and was able to um, to kind of shed a little bit of light from his side. You know, safe travels to him on his way down to the draft down to Sea Town, down to, down to Cleveland. So. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, it's this draft is loaded. I mean, I think you're going to get players that are going to be significant, maybe even the second and third round. And and you know, we talked last night about um, Etienne. You know, possibly could fall out of the first round, or you got Najee Harris. That you know, these you got you got big studs. I still think he's going to go to Pittsburgh. Well, it's a it'd be a perfect fit. Yeah, because he a a big bruiser like that. His running style is that of. Of Pittsburgh. Oh, well, absolutely. They haven't had a runner like that since the bus. No, but I mean, who's the kid that that they got there from right now? I, they're running back. I can't. He he went to Pitt. It, his name is, escapes me, but um, he's been a pretty good play. He's had issues with health. 
yeah with knees but but yeah i mean Najee harris i mean i i think he definitely fits that mold of a pittsburgh uh, in the trenches, he's going to bowl you over kind of a running back. And, yeah. and and he's good out of the backfield catching passes. So And Roethlisberger is going to need that because, you know, he can't throw the ball more than five yards. So I think he's they're going to be dependent upon having a running back that that can catch the ball out of the backfield. And, and clearly uh, they're going to need a tight end because I don't think uh, – the Eric Ebron will be there. I, I, I think, I, I think they shipped him out after one year, which, you know, he wore out his welcome really quick. Well, he's like wore, he did here. He's wore his welcome out pretty much everywhere he's gone. Number one, he's got a really bad attitude. Number two, he, he's 50, 50, whether he's going to catch the ball, which, you know, that, that kind of has followed him his whole career. Yep. So, yeah, but yeah, it was great having him on and, and, and getting a perspective, but maybe, maybe I'll try to, Reach out to him maybe a couple of weeks after yeah, the draft, and that'll be fun. Maybe we can sit back and uh, digest that a little bit, and, for sure. But you know, he's like me, busy as hell because sure. you know both of his kids both are active in sports, and you know he's a local South Lion guy, so that's nice. So it's nice uh, from the mean streets. Yeah, it's nice having him on. Um, Which I didn't know that. I yeah. did not know that until you. Uh, so about a month ago, there was they talked about it earlier. Rich was in line waiting trying to get baseball cards and he sends me a text and he says yeah i'm in line with uh david burkett and uh and, yeah. you know of course my first my first uh, response to him was get him on the show and he's like i'm not gonna ask him that and 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 but here, on, let's let's go back here so he's actually he's actually a neighbor to a friend of mine so well you know so him, i mean i i this is not the first time i've you know we like say we like walked up here he was like Hey Rich. Hey Dave. How you doing? <laughs> as he was as 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 he was typing up a uh, a piece on his phone because of the trade that happened with San Francisco moving up to three. Oh, yeah. So he's like, ah, he goes, give me a minute, man. I'm, I'm in the middle of something. And he's <laughs> over there feverishly typing away, and he was writing an article for Freep at the time. And we're standing in line waiting for uh, basketball cards for our kids. Yeah. So the the response to me was, oh, I'm not going to ask him. He's too busy. This and that. And then then you know about. Hour later, he's like, "Yeah, we had, we were talking, and uh, he's gonna come on the show." Yeah, he so. yeah, he's uh, he's a good dude. He is a good dude. Uh, his son, uh, on a couple of occasions, has been the bat boy at uh, my older son's baseball games, mm. where they put him, they give him a little jersey, they give him a uh, uh, the heart, the uh, batting helmet, and he goes out there and fetches the bats and brings them back in. So it's pretty oh, cool. That's fun. That's fun. So anyway, so really not much more on the forefront, but I do want to talk about the Red Wings for mm-hmm. a little bit because. Um, as we all know, we talked that the, the wings absolutely fleeced yeah. the Capitals. Mm-hmm. And it, I, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now, as it looks right now, in my personal opinion, the longevity of the trade, the wings won. Because huh. you, you, you get a first and a second. And Verona scored and then four you get goals. Verana. Yeah, he scored four goals the other night. And he's got, what, six since he's been a Red Wing? Yeah, and I really think that it's kind of one of those things. I think Eisman did his homework on him, and he made he may have been targeting him. You know what? I, this is the guy I want to get. He no, he realized that the guy really doesn't get a lot of opportunity yeah. in in uh, in Washington because they yeah, are an stacked. absolute stack team. Yeah. And one day we'll have Eric back on, and we'll talk uh, we'll talk some hockey with Eric. But uh, um, yeah, I mean they're just an absolute stack team, and I think he is getting more of an opportunity to play uh, meaningful minutes. Right. With I mean the Red he's, Wings. he's on the ice. I mean he's he's skating with their first team. It seems. Um, but yeah, we talked about it the other day as, as far as his, his effectiveness here, he's getting noticed here because of the fact that he's, he comes to a team where there's a lot of young guys and, and there's a lot of opportunity when you're mixed in with Ovechkin and and Backstrom and some of those guys, you know, you're, you're on the fourth line. You're only getting nine, 10 minutes a game. And he come here, he can get 15, 20. He's, he's, and he's showing it and and he's showing that, when you give the man the opportunity, he's making it count. So I, it, the thing that scares me about, I'd, I'd like to see him here long-term. He is a restricted free agent at the end of this year. And and I do believe that Eisenman brought him here with the, with the thought that he could maybe get a deal done. And, and yeah. frankly, I, if I'm Jacob or Jakob, Jakob Verana, Verana. I, I'd want to be here in a, in a, in a, a, a rebuilding situation to you. The, the team can, 
rely on him. He already, he could ha- be a, a he already has part. a ring. Yeah, I mean, he could be a big piece of, of this team moving forward. So I really hope that they target him as far as uh, long-term goes. And, and you know, with Iserman, I – you know what? I believe in the Iser plan, and in in this trade deadline only uh, cemented that that opinion even more. Yeah, I'm looking at this thing. It's a, the Sporting News record book of 1936 with, <laughs> with Hank Greenberg on the front. I don't need it. I don't need it, but I'm looking at it. Put but it no, away. I know, Put it away. I know. I know. I I I, I bought like 70 cards the other day on an auction. So, I'm, but I got some good ones. Yeah, sure. I got some. Uh, I got a couple uh, Herberts. I got a couple. Um, I got a Herbert's a card to collect right now. So I got a couple of Herberts. I got a couple of Trouts. Got a couple of Harpers, uh, Harper rookies, stuff like that. Nice. My kids like those. So, yeah. Well, and, and unfortunately, the kids have kind of missed out on the, the collectability of cards oh. because of the craze of the grown ass men going oh. after Pokemon cards. Well, and- no, it's not even, it's not even that they, they're, they're going after the, the Pokemon cards. The, the thing is, is these guys, okay, I, as a kid, Every Friday, I used to have to get progress reports home every Friday. The teacher had to fill out, every teacher had to fill out my progress report. I'd bring that progress report home. My parents would look at it and say, hey, good job. Get in the car, drive up to the hobby shop. <laughs> my parents would allow me to get two packs of cards. Do you know, how many, do you know how much two packs of cards were back then? Uh, $4? No, less. Yeah. It, this was 1980. Nine ninety, like, like a buck a pack, buck fifty a pack. They were fifty cents a oh, pack. Okay, the tops. No, I'd get Opeachy. I'd get hockey, so I'd oh, get okay. I'd get Opeachy. So I'd get two packs. It cost me a whole dollar. That was like my reward for mm. the week. And uh, you got guys out there right now. They look like they live in their fucking mom's no. basement. Well, I'm sure they do. They sound like they live in their mom's basement, and they are buying these boxes of cards and they're turning around and selling them on ebay facebook marketplace okay so i was there friday i got a box of uh football select cards and i got a hanger box of basketball prism it cost me a grand total of 47 dollars with tax those same boxes they were selling for 150 a piece At a local store. It's unbelievable. I just, I'm like, I just can't do it. Mm-mm. No, I just can't do it. So kids can't even do it anymore. They're, so they're marking them up three to four times. Oh yeah, for sure. And how many, how many cards are in a pack? Uh, the football one, there's only four in a pack. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that, that was it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So, but it's wild. So tune, yeah. tune into the OC. Yeah. OC on, on, uh, uh Tuesday, Tuesday night. Yeah, yep. Tuesday night. It was going to be the OC. So. Anyway, with that being said, yep. we really didn't have much to talk about today because it, we just kind of been just jammed busy with uh, activities going on and everything like that. But we did want to take a stop, talk about the Lions a little bit today, and uh, uh, from there on out, you got draft. Else? So we'll, you know, we'll we're still contemplating. Maybe depends on where we're at on Thursday. Maybe doing a live stream while the draft's happening. Um, but we're going to try and get in here and do a show on Wednesday, kind of do a little recap of of what we think might happen. I'm sure there'll be some breaking news, maybe some trades maybe. along the way between now and then. Now and then, it's always it's always a hot stove between uh, right at the start of the draft. Exactly. But, uh, but we'll we'll get in here on Wednesday, maybe Thursday, and uh, give you guys some more information. And uh, yeah. so we'll go from there. Yeah, we'll do it up. So anyway, so uh, with that being said, uh, I want you to uh, have a good one, and we'll yep. be talking to you soon. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Easy Speak at SpeakEasy 330. You can catch us every week at iLogicMedia.com, Apple, and Spotify. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at EasySpeakCast for the latest and up-to-date news. Cheers.